Welcome back to Pink Noise. I hope you were able to catch the rest of Cindy's programming on Cafe Racer Radio. This is our 12th episode, and I'm thrilled that today's guest said yes to sharing her gifts with me on the air. I love being surprised by humanity in all the ways that we experience being alive differently. I owe my sister huge thanks for introducing me to her best friend's sister, Kim Wilson. She's going to join me on the show today, and we worked together on a marketing strategy years ago for her bodywork studio in Victoria, B.C. called Thrive. And I'll never forget how she made me feel when we talked on the phone. She always left me wanting more. I'd like to offer a content warning for today's episode as we dive into our life's purpose, our sexuality, inevitable death, and attempts to dissect our comfort and discomfort around the anti-racism movement and our role in it as white-bodied people. Full disclosure, there were parts of this conversation that I was tempted to edit. Yep, it's true. And after doing so, felt completely disingenuous to my own authentic relating practice of revealing my experience. So after sitting with it for a period of time, I remade this episode thanks to GarageBand's easy tools for self-hack, self-hacking a previously recorded conversation. So that said, here we go. You know, Kim, all of my experiences with you have been so rich. Mm, you too. It's so nice of you to say. Thank you. <laughs> and it's a real treat to get to talk to you in this way, in this mm. format. It's so cool you're doing this. You're amazing. It's so cool. Yeah. It's been really neat even since I met you, like watching you go on this path and... um yeah, I've watched you change so much even since I met you. Like, of course, your core and your heart and your sparkle is the same, but I feel like you've gone like deeper into yourself and your capacity for joy and this difference that you're making, like your mission. It feels like you've really dropped into your mission. It's really beautiful to watch. Mm. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> uh-huh. and, and when I hear that, Kim, I think how long did I spend imagining that I was searching for something out there? Mm -hmm. Like somewhere Mm -hmm. out there is my purpose. Mm -hmm. How do I find it? Mm -hmm. And I know Mm -hmm. that I've, I've talked about that before. Like, and as soon as you just drop into (laughs) yourself, really, Yeah. And you're an expression of the universe and it doesn't get much more fucking amazing than that. Like you're already here, which feels like pretty mind blowing, (laughs) really. Yeah. It's funny. I just watched this really funny movie called um, Apocalypto. And they, it's really exciting and it's old. Mel Gibson directed it. It's probably like 15 years old. Anyway, there's a scene where they've basically been caught and it's like, I can't tell if it's Mayan or Aztec when they were like sacrificing people because they believed in the sun gods. And I just had this like, you know, we're all living to our purpose and what am I here for? And I thought, what if that was your life? Like you just got your neck sliced for the sun god and that's your life and it's over and that was your per like I just thought about like the luxury in a way sometimes of like this searching (laughs) or um, when really just the whole experience of life is your purpose in a way because we don't know what's going to happen and yeah and like I do think sometimes we get so caught up in what is my purpose And really, it's like, well, you're here. I think your purpose is, well, this is just things I've been thinking of lately, especially with Tantra and like the divine is that you exist. The celebration is that you exist. The every moment is your purpose rather than like, um, I feel like sometimes we suffer looking for 
Like, why am I here? What is my purpose? Sometimes I feel like it can be, create suffering and maybe, you know, pulling back. I just thought about that. So, and then what if you're like, damn, I just got caught and I'm dying right now. Or I don't know, just, we all can die in these really crazy ways. And um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they accomplished their purpose or that what everything they did up until that moment was divine and their purpose. Do you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to, I'm really, I'm really <laughs> wanting to. And I think the part I'm getting so far is if we could relax in the majesty of just simply being yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that you don't know what's going to happen. What if you don't reach this big magical purpose that you feel that you were born for and something happens? It doesn't mean you didn't. Um, it's just a different perspective on living moment to moment that every moment is your purpose and how you're going to be in that moment. And I feel like perhaps that blooms into how you expand or how you affect people, what you touch in your life. Um, but that kind of, I just noticed maybe that's kind of in modern day culture. Everyone's looking for a purpose and it almost creates suffering because everyone feels like they should be doing something more than who they are or what they're, what they're supposed to be doing, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And I just got a visual of, the loop back to your story about the character in the movie getting sacrificed to the sun god. Yeah. And so now I'm, I'm putting myself in a position like that. And I'm trying right. to think if I were living my purpose and this was my fate, yeah. then my point is to be love. My point mm -hmm. is to be loving. My point mm -hmm. is to be lovable. Mm -hmm. And so what would I do in the moment? Like I would go with grace. Mm -hmm. Like, wouldn't I like, wouldn't that be the point? Wouldn't that be the demonstration mm -hmm. of my devotion to myself? I mean, and that can go to the piece of that. We're all going to die. And perhaps the more you don't fight it and the more at peace you are, the more you'll actually um, live and not from a more morbid or, or fear place, but more like, it's like that consciousness of like every moment being saturated with aliveness. And, you know, even, you know, I just lost my dog, as you know, and, you know, I really tried to embrace, like, I felt so sad, but this, it felt really different. Like I almost like liked it in a sad way because I just realized this is like sadness is the experience of being alive fear is the experience of being alive like all of it the fact that I'm experiencing it means that I'm alive even though it's hard and how am I going to be in this experience of being alive in and that's kind of my big question I ask a lot lately is like who, how am I going to be now? 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 Like every moment, um, I think that's my big focus. Like, who am I right now in this? Who am I right now in this? And, and yeah. And then you can go into the whole consciousness thing around um, who who's who's asking that question which part of me is asking that question and which part of me is the like the experiencer and the observer within yourself and consciousness and all of that mm. which part of you is asking the question do you do you have characters no no do you, do um, you name the parts of am i a crazy person yes no no kind of more what i mean is like like in meditation, when you like the whole, um, like consciousness is the part of you. So if I was afraid, like, um, like the other day, someone walked in front of my car 
and I had to put my brakes on. He was drinking a coffee. He didn't look at me. And I, and I honked on my horn. I was like, meep, meep. And he fingered me. <laughs> and so I was like, what the, and I realized, so I was driving, I drove away and I smiled and waved and I realized like, wow, I'm, I'm feeling, you know, a little charged from that. So the one part of me is charged from the experience. And the other part of me is the part that's saying, what is my experience right now? Like, oh, that actually really scared me. So I guess it's like in meditation, there's a, there's always a part of you that can be observing your experience. That's what I'm talking about. Like I'm sad and there's a part of me that can observe that I'm sad. So, um, I think that's like the, you know, the objective observer in meditation where you're, um, you're not necessarily your thoughts. You're witnessing your thoughts like that. That's what I mean. Mm, yeah. That feels like a really rich wormhole to go down. It is. And, <laughs> and, and I'm, st- and I'm still kind of caught up in the fact that you could experience the moment where you you know, you had to slam on your brakes for somebody not paying attention, walking Mm -hmm. across the street with their coffee. And I'm marveling at his reaction. And I'm thinking (laughs) how how normal that might be for someone to use anger, like a, like a aggressive or anger response to cover over their own fear. I feel like as soon as we, as soon as we can, witness what our own experience is it's so it it it's like the second you can recognize your own experience you can take care of yourself and that's the witnesser part I'm talking about which is what I'm calling consciousness it's like I feel like when we're believing our own thoughts like I'm afraid and what an asshole and I can't believe that just happened and I can't believe he I feel like that's like me looking down like a toilet paper roll and I'm believing my thoughts and I'm in it and I'm wrapped up in it and then you know there's the whole concept around you know when you have a a response something happens to you you get a flood of endorphins and chemicals flush into your body And that takes apparently 90 seconds to completely flush through your body. So if I then go and tell my partner about it, I get that flush. So I'm basically, you know, I can think about it. I get that flush. So I'm, I can be believing my thoughts and justifying my side of the story and basically just dumping myself with chemicals and hormones and basically re-traumatizing myself. So I feel I, I describe that as like looking down the toilet paper roll where I'm just in my thoughts and I'm re-traumatizing myself. And then I feel like if I can just back up and witness what my true experience was, which was that really scared me. I'm like, oh, I just feel instantly like my viewpoint is now expansive. I'm no longer looking down the toilet paper roll. I can take a breath and touch my chest or like self-soothe. And I just feel like all of a sudden it feels so diffusing and I can take better care of myself if I can recognize what the layer beneath is. And that's what I think consciousness is. And what gave you access to that? How did you learn? How did you learn to pause and breathe and get in touch with what's underneath. Mm. I'm doing lots of stuff in my practice right now where I feel like, um, like we can all get really, not all, I shouldn't generalize, but it's easy to get, especially right now, say like stress and COVID and, you know, there can be, it can really bring out fear and you can go into the story and the risk and what other people are doing. And it's like, just as soon as people can um, take a look at what their true experience is, like, what's the layer beneath? What are you experiencing right now? What are you feeling in your body? Which I think is the gateway to everything, um, the wisdom of the body. And then that everyone's so used to overriding, but don't even get me started on that. And then, um, and then as soon as someone can be like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. And then it's like, yes. And what's the layer beneath that? You know, it's so interesting. You're like, Oh, I'm, there is a layer beneath that. I'm, 
I'm angry. And I just feel like as soon as we name our experience, um, it's so, um, it's like symptoms alleviate people's tension in their stomach and their chest or, you know, it's just that um, beautiful naming. It's like you're being your own good listener and your own friend and and your own self-soother. <laughs> and I feel like, uh, so I guess that's from yoga, you know, I've been teaching yoga forever and Pilates and then, and then my, my Tantra practice is really powerful with mindfulness and consciousness. And um, I guess just years and years and years of being interested in all of this and the, the, the <laughs> yeah, the, and right now it's such an exciting time. Like there's so many amazing um, so resources and information right now, you know, science and spirituality and all these like ancient mystics and yoga and Ayurveda and acupuncture, they're all being um, validified now through science, neuroscience. And it's very, it's a very exciting time for spirituality to be legitimized. And how like is that changing you in your practice? I'm feeling like my practice has changed a lot, maybe over the last year, where I'm learning more skills on how to access ailments going in the body by calming our mind. And that recognition of when we know what our experience is, we can take better care of ourselves. And I think that there's a lot of um, people are experiencing things and they don't understand really what's going on for them. You know, things accumulate or so I feel like allowing people to and having the tools to get people to um, make friends with themselves more and love every part of themselves is really, really healing. I don't know if I answered that question or not. Did I? Well, I find myself curious and wanting an example. Like when you talk about sort of like these people, like getting getting these people access to what's happening in their body as a gateway to better understand their needs. I think that's what I'm hearing you talk about. Yeah, like someone could say about themselves, like... Um, I'm, you know, I'm always doing this, I'm always so defensive, or I'm just, I hate that about myself that I'm, you know, they've come to the place where they can recognize they're defensive, but now they're really hard on themselves now that they know that when they see that they're defensive, like in a relationship or, so it's nice to be like, well, what's the layer beneath that? What is that part of you? Can you feel the defensiveness in your body now? And often people, or or, oh, this is what I want to say. It's like, say someone wants this beautiful, peaceful relationship, or they want this beautiful relationship with their body or with another. And yet there's like repetitive patterns occurring in your life that are the opposite of what you think you really want. And so a lot of it is by getting closer to ourselves, we can start to take care of the parts that even though we might want something, we've got these unconscious limiting beliefs that get in our way that we don't even know about. So it's like, um, instead of trying to get rid of these parts of ourselves, like our inner child, which I think everyone's running on already, we're all grownups with our inner child's ruling the show. Um, I think that happens a lot. But like, what if you love your inner child? Or what if you've got like a a bitch inside of you that you don't like, but what if you just love your bitch and love your, love all the parts of you and, but, but choose your, your queenness, your conscious self, your empowered self, but also take care of all the parts of you that maybe got hurt from past experiences. And um, it's like loving all the parts of you, but choosing the part of you that you want to rule the show to, um, create the life that you want to create and not have um, unconscious patterns ruling your life anymore. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. When you talk about the inner child work, I think about what I was longing for. Mm. You know, I think about what I wanted more of 
as a as a as a child and it felt like I wasn't supposed to want mm-hmm. the attention I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. We get hard on ourselves. And if you were lying on my table, I'd just be like, oh, let's love that little girl that wanted that love. And what could we say to her now? You know, and it's so nice to have your adult self speak to that little girl. Like you are so loved and I love you so much. And you know, to take care of those parts of ourselves and also kind of to let the little inner child be like, and now I got this. I got this for both of us. I got it. I got us. I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to love you. And that's something too, I think like no one can really, I don't think anyone can love us fully in exactly the way we want to be loved. And I don't know if anyone's supposed to, I feel like we were supposed to do that for ourselves. And, and I think by honoring and acknowledging all our shadow parts um, is all a part of that. It's just choosing to, you know, look at our shadow parts and love them and hug them and listen to them, but don't let them rule the show. Loving, loving yourself. In a, I, I was in a, a plant medicine ceremony recently and it went, it went really deep mm-hmm. into that place of, ah, I see, like, <laughs> I have to love myself the way I want to be loved. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. my job. I know it's so, it's so wild. And, you know, we've heard all the cliches of, you know, go love yourself. And it's like, well, what the fuck does that mean? Like, do I take a lavender bath? Do I? And <laughs> I think that's really what it comes do I down to. myself real nice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like, what does that even mean? And I think that's it. It's like, again, it's like not looking at yourself down, like I'm supposed to be like this. And oh my God. And then you start peeling away all the layers of what society says your body's supposed to look like and what you're supposed to look like after you have a baby and what you're supposed to look like as a woman and what your breasts are supposed to look like when your face is supposed to look like, and then what you're supposed to sound like when you have sex. And oh my God, you can just like start breaking down all of these things that we might not think we're living up to. And, uh, you know, we're all being so hard on ourselves for like a, um, an unrealistic, unauthentic way that we're supposed to be anyway. So it's like, if we can just love all the parts of ourselves as we are, like how liberating is that? It's so liberating. And who created those unrealistic pictures? I mean, we get them through the media. We get them through Hollywood and through magazines and through, right, culture. And, but somewhere, like somebody decided and then oh, we all yeah. bought into it. We all bought into it. And we still are buying into we're it. Still we're still buying into it. We're inundated by it. Uh, and so that's a really fun thing to start thinking about too, you know, and coming back to the beginning of the conversation around like, what is my purpose? Well, right now it feels like, remember who you are. Who did you come as? Who was your original essence? That's your purpose. Who did you come here as before you were named and before you were, you know, before all the stuff there's, I think I shared with you that 10 days before you were born that I learned in medical Qigong that blew my mind around like, who were you then 10 days before you were born? You know, if you feel safe enough to imagine that and floating around and you are limitless potential, you are expansive you are free you can go in any direction and then the second you're born you're named and your parents have morals and viewpoints and you're told what you can do and you have good things and bad things and and you develop your ego identity and and I feel like now it's all about going backwards and trying to get rid of all those layers and actually remember who you came as what is your original essence and I think if you can love all the parts of yourself, then you get, hopefully you can get closer to that. There's so much unlearning. 
there's so much unlearning but that's part of being alive too like i think that's that's existed forever gender roles and gender equality and rate like that's been going on forever so i think that's like part of the human existence don't you like no matter what there's been societal pressures on who people should be what's in what's going on but that's why this is such an exciting time like there is a level of consciousness where we can actually think about that now and um break free from that during this or try to during this wild time i'd love to hear more about remembering who you are mm. remembering your essence your original essence yeah is is there a a, a, a toolkit <laughs> you want that you can unpack with me around that process i'd, I'd love to hear more well, I'm still in the process, so I feel like get back to me, but <laughs> in my process right now is just like consciousness. That's a really big word for me right now. Like um, if I can be, so what's, uh, I'm trying to find it. Like if, if I can be really honest and true with what my experience is, I feel like I can take care of myself in a way that allows me to be who I truly am so that I'm not acting the way I think I'm supposed to act or behave the way I'm supposed to behave or dress the way I'm supposed to dress. Or um, I feel like if I can, if I can try to be truly present, then I can, I can take care of my experience, which will allow me to be more authentically myself. The whole process of being more authentically yourself. Like it's, yeah, and, and anyone who listens to my show knows how much I talk about this, this work I'm doing with Authentic Relating International, that yeah. these, these training programs and I'm, I'm in it deep now. Like, yeah. I thought I was unraveling before. <laughs> Mm, there is so much so much so and you know, it's like oh if I'm depressed that doesn't mean or I'm feeling depressed that doesn't mean I am that is my identity or I'm angry that doesn't mean I'm an angry person it's like we're so multifaceted there's so much happening and then and then you can go to energy too like checking in with your original essence is like um, moving energy within your own body. Like I think right now is a great time for everyone to feel like, I think there's so much energy building up in everyone around like politics and COVID and there's so much anxiety. And I feel like so many people feel like they almost can't handle their own emotions. And I just feel like that's so, that's like a, a story that in a way, like we've been fed that like, or not trained in, like, I just want to empower everyone to know that they can deal with their own emotions. And of course, there's always exceptions. Sometimes there can be chemical imbalances and traumas. And I don't want to say that everyone should just be able to do that. But I feel like a lot of us can learn to feel an accumulation of energy in your body and move it. And firstly, by acknowledging it and then maybe shaking or sounding or breathing or dancing or screaming into a pillow. I highly re recommend pillow fucking. It's very satisfying. <laughs> um, but like there are ways to move energy. But again, first, we have to become aware that we're experiencing that energy. And I think what happens is that it, people start to get used to it as a feeling in their own bodies. And as soon as we can bring awareness, like I'm feeling, you know, oh, I'm feeling it in my chest or, you know, when people arrive on my table, people can arrive and just start talking. And then I'll be like, so wh why don't we take a minute to check in with your body? And sometimes that's like, oh my God, 
I haven't even checked in with my body, even though I've brought myself to a bodywork session. And so that's a great moment of awareness, like that we can all be doing all the time. Like, oh yeah, I haven't even checked in to my own experience. What's going on? What do I feel and what I don't feel, which is a feeling too. So that's, um, I just went on a tangent there. <laughs> oh yeah, moving energy through your body. That's what I'm talking about. Like, I feel like if we can become aware of it, which I think almost it's an easy thing to bypass because it can feel so intense. Like I'm sad. I don't want to feel more sad by going into my sadness. But actually the ironic part is if you can just go into your sadness without re-traumatizing or reliving something, the sadness moves like, cause that's when you get to take care of it. And that's, that's kind of that, that, diffuses this energy that I feel like is accumulating in everyone's bodies in lots of ways. Yeah. And don't you think it shows up to be acknowledged? Oh yeah. I mean, it shows up because it wants to be seen. Totally. And so, and I feel that this acknowledgement of what we're in, I'm in pain, I'm hurting, I'm sad, mm -hmm. I'm frustrated, I'm, jealous I'm aggravated I'm whatever I am mm -hmm. and being in it seeing it like feeling it okay so what's so why is this here what is mm -hmm. what is it here to show me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I I continue to talk with people that validate the notion that ignoring it or stuffing it or numbing it or denying it isn't the answer doesn't work and even now I would even not even ask why is it here because that brings you up into your intellectual aspect which I think is already on overload for me it's more like what's it like to just let myself experience this and drop into what is already alive inside of me and I think that's like the really tricky part because I feel like talking about it is really everyone's comfort zone is intellectualizing it and figuring it out um, and of course there needs to be an element of that but I feel like you know well I don't want to go into the sadness but the sadness already exists inside of you it's already there. It's so you're not, all you're really doing is acknowledging what's already alive and there. And it's so powerful when people realize that, that you're, you're not escaping it by not talking about it. It's, it's already there. So if you can just like be with it, like what does your sadness need right now? And where do you feel your sadness? What does your sadness want to hear? Or what does your sadness want to express? Like sometimes really giving these parts of our nervous system a voice and having our that higher conscious part of us be able to speak to that part of us too. Those are very powerful. And, and I think, yeah, everybody doesn't want to go into the feelings, but they, but they're already there. The feelings are already there. So it's really incredible. I find how much things dissipate if it feels safe to allow yourself to really just feel what already exists inside of you. That's beautiful. I love mm -hmm. that you um, talked us through this idea of what, what does your sadness need? Mm -hmm. Does it need to, to hear or to be seen? And I love that you, um, added your perspective and sort of corrected me. It, it's not to figure out why you're sad. It's I'm, I'm hearing you say why doesn't matter, but being with it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is the action that diffuses it. Yeah, and I think of Have course I understood I wanted, that right. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to correct you. That wasn't my intention. More just adding to because I think yes, of course looking at things have their place. But I do feel like lots of us are so in our head that we're not experiencing our body. There gets this disconnect or, or a real a, a spiritual bypass of our own experience. It's like we're afraid to experience what's already existing within our own bodies. 
So of course, talking about it and being, you know, asking why has its place, Sherry, I agree. But I do think lots of people are much more comfortable. And I've done that in therapy sessions. I can go and I can talk and I've got like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. But um, it's nice when someone can be like, what's actually alive in your body right now? Or I think we can talk ourselves away from our own, from ourselves. Liberation, liberation of our bodies, liberations of our emotions, liberations of our energy, like liber, like there's so much containment or, you know, of, of um, not feeling like it's okay to feel what we're feeling or look like or be, you know, there's so much of that anyway. <laughs> and somehow I'm relating that to, to part of your tantra practice. The liberation of our yeah. bodies. Yeah, when, yeah. I, when I hear about liberation, I think about accessing pleasure and turning yourself on. That's like neo-tantra where um, sexual liberation can be a part of healing because it's, you know, um, I mean, my teacher often talks about like how sex is just another form of meditation. Like every time you show up with sex, it doesn't mean you're going to be happy and make, you know, groaning sounds every time maybe you're going to cry or maybe you're going to feel frustrated or so can you be so authentic and just show up and be yourself? And I mean, sure. Why not fuck your way to enlightenment? <laughs> but I mean, it's Tantra because Tantra celebrates every single part of life, not just sex. I think sex is a great way for our modern culture to integrate part of a way of being conscious of your body and your own experience. But we have so much to break down, you know, talk about original essence and we have so much to break down about our sexuality. So if we can show up authentically in our body, like what's truly going on and what if I'm not turned on right now? Or what if you take orgasm out of the picture and it's just about experiencing each other and um, trying to get rid of what society has created sex to be, which is very minimal, really. Um, so yeah, sex is a great way to connect to our bodies and hope, you know, and, on, and especially by ourselves. I mean, if it can connect with another person, but that's a great place to check in with your own great practice again, to experience what's happening in your own body. What's your, what's your relationship to your own body? How well do you know it? What do you expect from it? What arises when you have a sexual practice by yourself? So there's, there's lots of that too, but Tantra, the true Tantra is the divine and the celebration of everything, the, the experience of being alive. And, um, and then Neo Tantra is just like, added sex in as a way to yeah liberate and feel that aliveness and see what your what your experience in life is <laughs> yeah i'm i'm noticing that i'm resisting mm, uh, wanting to go more into that <laughs> uh, <laughs> remembering mm -hmm. conversations we've had in the past Mm -hmm. um, it's been a while since we've connected and I realized just how delightful it is to be in connection with you and having Aww. a conversation that's so nice to hear I feel the same way about you I it's remember nice being inspired by a lot of the work that you were doing and and teaching and the way that you showed up in your practice caring so much about the experience of mm. of your community the people that you were inviting in to thrive oh yeah I feel like I have the best clientele in the world <laughs> and yeah I'm very very lucky that way I would just describe myself as the never-ending learner of life like I just feel like oh my gosh I just can't get enough of learning like each thing takes me to another thing I, I and like it, there's, I feel like I'm a student that could describe me like, you know, the more, you know, the more, you know, you don't know. <laughs> so, but there is, I think what's exciting is there's, there's a thread in it all. That's so exciting, which is like energy and 
consciousness and and you know age-old wisdom coming together with science now like I just love the thread of how much that's happening right now it's a very very exciting time <laughs> so I would say the never-ending learner <laughs> is my title <laughs> and that's what came up for me in in meditation uh this past mm -hmm. weekend was to always be the student, to keep looking for the, the thread of aliveness mm -hmm. in what's happening and keep saying yes to those things mm -hmm. and care less about how I show up to share my gifts, but just keep, keep questing. And so I'm looking at the things that even make me a little uncomfortable mm -hmm. and with the, um, heightened awareness around Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. I realize that I'm in a very, um, a community with a lot of people who are white identified like me, mm -hmm. especially in the authentic relating training practice. Mm -hmm. It tends to attract more white folk. And why mm -hmm. is that? And in my leadership role within this community, how do I, how can I be more welcoming mm -hmm, of, mm -hmm. of, of the BIPOC community? That's so great. You notice that. Yeah. And, and other practitioners are too. And so mm -hmm. isn't it wonderful that in paying attention, I've met this amazing woman from Port Townsend, Jessica Tataro, and she's invited me into uh, a group a group of individuals who identify as white, who wanna do this work together. And we're starting a six month journey on the topic of racial justice mm. to, to educate ourselves and to hold yeah. each other accountable. Mm -hmm. And so how can, I, how can I look at other leaders and speakers from the BIPOC community and, and, and learn because they're, they're already out there, they're speaking mm -hmm. and, and there's books. And so I should read those books. Well, should mm -hmm. I, I desire to read those books and to have a wider perspective. But mm -hmm. I remember when the invitation first came along, I felt some discomfort in it. Is this my journey? Is this mm -hmm. what I need to say yes to? Mm -hmm. And I got a clear message in meditation this weekend that um, absolutely, mm -hmm. I mean, absolutely a hundred percent plus, like how could it not be? Well, yeah, it's a really important thing to wake up to when we realize, like, it's really great that you even notice that, that, like, wait a second, what's going on here when you're only attracting, you know, white people and being curious around why that is. And it's been a humbling time and a really amazing time with the Black movement. You know, I think that the whole white fragility thing is... Um, a lot of people are really touchy about it. And I think it's important to be very humble during this time um, to know that we, we don't know because we couldn't know. And um, it's a white privilege thing to even be defensive about being white privilege. And I think everyone's been very like, white privilege means you're a, you know, you're a Nazi. And I think it's more like maybe taking the edge off it a little bit. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you don't know that you didn't know that you didn't know. And I just read a really amazing book called My Grandmother's Hands. Um, it's a great book. Um, he's a psychologist in the States and he goes and talks to police and um, he, he, it's kind of a somatic book where he asks lots of questions. So he's like, if you're a white body person, if you're a black body person or a, or a law enforcer, and he'll ask questions around um, certain experiences or situations and watch for charges in your body around it. And it's, I highly recommend it. It's so good where you're like, wow, like I didn't know that I didn't know that. And it's so educating and he does it in such a beautiful way. Um, but he talks around how, like, you think slavery has been going on for four or 500 years, but white people um, have been dominating and being horrible to white people for like over a thousand years. So he kind of talks around pain transference. Like when you think about 
the fragility within our own <laughs> whiteness, like what we've been doing over a thousand years to each other, like witch burnings and religion. And so he has this really, this is how I took it, interesting viewpoint on how our nervous systems have been damaged for a really, really long time. And when it comes to racism, um, you know, kind of looking at it from a different point of view. Um, he does, he gets you to look up certain pictures of like hangings and where there's two black men that have been hung and there's a bunch of white people standing around getting their picture taken. And he says like, zoom in on all of their faces. Like, what do you think they're experiencing right now as they get this photo taken? And he's, you know, he just gets you to look at things from all these really fascinating viewpoints. And it's like, wow, yeah, what is going on for that person? Like he's kind of showing like how damaged white people are. And like, I didn't know that so many as a black body, like how people are trying to coddle, like if a white person's upset, that's a dangerous thing. And I didn't know that that was like innately kind of this habit for, a black body person to soothe or coddle or, um, you know, a white person if they're upset. So that's kind of around white fragility as well. So those were two, two of my big takeaways around that. <laughs> I, love, I love that you read it. I, I shouldn't be surprised. Because oh, of, yeah. Because of how, um, how inclusive you are and how expansive you are. I love it. That book's come up many times and it's, it's really it's good. on the reading list for this racial mm -hmm. justice group mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. it's a book we plan to read together and talk about it together. And because of the reasons you've mentioned. Yeah. And it, you know, it is an exercise in being humble and, um, and not trying to fight it. Like that's, that I think that's a really big part of it. And if you are feeling like fighting it and you are feeling defensive, then I think just educate yourself more. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means we have to educate ourselves more. And I mean, I live on Vancouver Island, so there's a huge ignorance for me, like things going on, you know, that, um, or don't happen here that I think happen quite as much in the States perhaps, but it's here for sure. It's here. And, and, and racism can happen on so many things. And I think, you know, the whole LGBTQT movement and, and Black Lives Matter and um, femininity and all of it, it's all coming down to this one, you know, not each one is its own, but I love the whole movement of honor each other for who we are. And, you know, be yourself. And again, all these things happening right now in, in this time, that's about be yourself fully authentically and let's accept each other for who we are ideal world. But, you know, there's a lot of movements that stand for that right now. And I think it's really beautiful. And I want to support every single one because I think the messages are really important and beautiful. And do you believe that the people who can um, hate on another because hmm. they're different. I would ask, what's the believe, layer beneath? Yeah, so do you believe that that's projected hate because of something they don't like about themselves and that the answer to, to creating more love and kindness in the world is to start within? For sure, but I think, you know, people have stories, people have grown up where there's racism, you know, like even in Nova Scotia, there's, I didn't know in Canada, there's lots of racism there. And I think that's where way back, a lot of people who were in slavery came to Nova Scotia because they could be free. And, and then there started to be, and then they, you know, they were people coming out of slavery. So worked for nothing, which made white people feel they were taking their jobs because working for cheap labor and like racism started then in Canada, I think like, so some people get born into, you know, having a, a viewpoint of people that they don't even know it's fed to them. And that's where the fragility part comes in. I think it's like, if you can't expand out and really check in with why are you feeling so strongly 
what does justify these few points? So yeah, going in and what's the layer beneath? What? Why do I feel this so much for this person that I don't even know? Or how do we make big, broad, sweeping statements about white people, Asian people, black people, you know, we, we, Jewish people, we do these big, broad, sweeping stereotypes that I think we have to be very careful about and instead see each other as individuals and, you know, but I mean, there's, look at so many countries that have been fighting for so long and it's so ingrained and it's so hard for everyone to pull, pull back out of it. You know, there's these perpetuating belief systems. And yeah, so I think all these movements right now are bringing awareness to that. And I think we're really lucky if we can, if we can make some changes. And then you think about your own war with yourself because of your belief systems about how you're supposed to act and how you're supposed to be. And probably if everyone just took care of themselves and understood their own experience, it would change your experience with the world. If we took care of ourselves, we'd probably understand why we're behaving the way that we're behaving or why we're having a viewpoint about someone. It's usually because we're triggered and you know, that's the other thing is we're all being triggered constantly all the time. And when someone triggers you in a good way, you don't mind. But when someone triggers you in a bad way, you know, I love Eckhart Tolle always talks about everyone in their pain body and you're trying to control and get mad at everyone to not trigger you. <laughs> that's impossible. You have to, you know, witness that within yourself so you can help yourself. And I guess if we all did that, we wouldn't be blaming everyone around us for our, the way we're feeling and our own behaviors and our viewpoints. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's what I was saying. The Buddha says like 99.999% of your thoughts are inaccurate. And I just feel like, fuck yeah, Buddha. Like if you can just, and what Byron Katie says that, like, who would you be without these thoughts? Well, I'd be free. I'd be happier. I'd be right. It's like, what if you can just, you know, question your own thoughts and your belief systems. And especially if there's a big charge inside of you, I think our nature is to hold on to what we're thinking even more, but that's actually when that's the red flag, like what is going on for me right now? That means we're triggered and, might be a really good moment to actually check in <laughs> rather than dig in, you know? I'm like, isn't it too um, that it's been proven? This always trips me out. Like that our that we are literally 99 point, like 9999999% space. Like we are already spaciousness just through science we we are spaciousness so if we can just remember that and open up to it we're already there and that's the the existential hilariousness of it all <laughs> i mean so we get caught up in this rat race right like okay so if i just want that like i'm finding so much peace and calm since i resigned from my career and and yet like money makes the world go around, right? Like, so how am I eating and how am I paying my rent and how am I paying the city for electricity and for water? And there's all these needs to take care of, mm -hmm. right? These, um, you know, occasionally I need a vehicle to get around and that needs gas and that needs maintenance and that needs insurance and I need health insurance and I'm supposed to go see my doctor and, you know, get my eyes checked and get my teeth cleaned. And, mm -hmm. um, and so there's this system that we buy into that needs to be fed, needs to be fed money. We do need money. It is something like we need food and water. It is a construct. So I feel like um, giving away can be very... Um, like I feel like if you love what you do and you feel really fair about the what you ask for, 
it should be okay. But I think that we have a real negative thing around money and I feel like we need it to exist. So um, I think we can be conscious about what we do with it and our attitude around it. And, um, and kind of sometimes I think as women, maybe our worthiness around it as well. Um, but yeah, money consciousness is an, a whole other really interesting thing. I think that it can be okay to make money and charge what you're worth and not feel like you have to give everything away and, and feel like you're getting by in your life to your definition of, of uh, wealth. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing. I know that we're coming up on the hour. And so uh, what haven't we talked about? <laughs> you like would just love to share. The more you stop trying to fix yourself, the more you'll get to who you truly are. Like there's nothing to fix. You're already perfect. You already are expansive. Remember that you're an expression of the universe and that you're contemplating your worth in a universe. Like you're, you have a consciousness and we are us like a speck of dust in the universe contemplating our consciousness. Like, is that mind blowing or what? Like we're having this conversation right now in space. Like what? Like, I feel like if we can just keep remembering the truth of what's actually really happening and that, you know, we're not going to be here for a long time. We're, we're a blip and, you know, love yourself. Stop trying to fix yourself. You're already perfect. And, (laughs) um, yeah, I feel like just love, love yourself, love yourself, love every single great part and horrible part about yourself. Cause it's all beautiful and perfect. <laughs> and don't forget you're a blip in, in the middle of space right now, as you contemplate this. <laughs> I mean, if that's not mor- like mind blowing, you can think about that for the rest of your life. <laughs> it's pretty mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> I had a shaman peering into my soul just yesterday and asking me, you know, as, as he peeled the layers back and the layers back and the layers back. And it was like, but do you love yourself? Yeah. And why is it so hard? I was like, Oh, I thought I was getting there. Well, you are, you are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you are. And there's see there has that quick, like, as soon as you're aware of the next stage, we tend to be hard on ourselves that we're not there. But really, we're never going to get there because we're always, you know, you already are there. So it's like, we have this tendency. It's like that example I gave of like, I know I'm defensive. And even though I know it, I'm still defensive. Like, oh, I get so mad with myself. It's like, but you're noticing you're defensive. And I think that's so beautiful. And I want to celebrate that you just noticed you've already come so far and you can love yourself even more, Sherry. Like, oh my God. And you wouldn't have even been able to realize that if you didn't love yourself as much as you do now. Like, it's like, celebrate that you're even at this place where you know that you can love yourself even more. (laughs) Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I have more to give. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's so liberating to be around someone that really, truly loves themselves. That's beautiful medicine to be around. And that might be triggering for some people because it that means that they want to learn how to love themselves more too. <laughs> mm-hmm. ah. What a treat to spend time with you. Thank you. Oh, gosh. I hope that this was what you wanted it to be. I feel like I talked a lot. (laughs) I hope there's something in there you can use. I don't know. Yeah, Kim, I think there's something in there that I can use. Barely anything made its way to the editing floor. Even as we talked about Tantra and sex and racial justice and loving ourselves more. This is an episode I'm going to be coming back to. I hope you'll join me next time 
as I continue to explore the thread of aliveness with my guests here at Pink Noise.